Oh, fuck. Home stretch at least. Start recording. My Spectacular Life, a memoir in the key of storytelling by Thomas Rose. Chapter 5. Did someone say the woods? I was in that sweet spot as a musician. My first album had been nominated for a Grammy, and I had been acquitted of all charges in what was dubbed the Mistrial of the Millennium. Now it was time to write the follow-up album. This terrified me. My two biggest fears have always been having a sophomore slump and being haunted by a poltergeist. I prayed that neither of these fears would come true, but some prayers never make it to heaven. Whoa, that would be a cool title for a song. Maybe I'll try and write it now. Some fuck. Pause, pause, pause. I'm going to retake that. Just got to spike the volume again. Nope, no, retake one more time. I think the spike will be fine. Maybe something like, Some prayers never make it to heaven. I'm friends with Woody Allen and Sunni Previn. I don't know. I need time to write it. I'm in the middle of a memoir. Stop again. Did I say memoir weird? Are people going to be annoying about that? Never mind. Well, I guess I should say something. Start recording. Throughout the years as a public speaker, people often ask if I'm using an accent or if there's some sort of affectation. Well, I've always said it's more of an affliction because those are my favorite shirts to wear. That usually shuts them up, and I hope it shuts you up, too. Where was I? Oh, yes. Writing my second album. I decided to purchase a little cabin in the woods so I could get away from it all. I needed total isolation to spark my creativity and also to avoid the death threats of Bruno Mars fans. I packed my car for the trip with recording equipment, my keyboard, and every drug I could think of, except for weed. I heard it's a gateway. When I'd almost reached my destination, I stopped at this little mom-and-pop gas station. They called it Shell, like seashell. I love getting out of the city. The man working at the gas station was a funny old fella. He had this off-putting, creepy energy. It was like looking into a mirror. He asked where I was going, and I told him, Edicomo Mountain. I rented a house and I'm going to write my album. He said, Don't go to Edicomo Mountain. It's dangerous. That's when I realized what was happening. This guy was a fan. He wanted me all to himself. Like misery. So I looked him in the eyes and I said, You're not going to tie me to a bed. He kicked me out of the store. While heading up the mountain, I ran over a deer, which almost seemed like a bad omen, until I hit a second deer, which canceled it out. 
By the time I got to the fifth deer, I just stopped counting. Finally, I arrived. I guess I was underselling the place when I called it a cabin earlier. It was a centuries-old, three-story Victorian manor. I was able to rent it for cheap because of a series of unspeakable crimes that had been committed there. You see, apparently, this serial killer would find victims in Brooklyn and Manhattan and drive them all the way out to this house to torture and kill them. The real estate agent told me that the serial killer's name was Patrick James Dowlin. I felt like I'd heard it before, but I couldn't place it. I love when people have three names. I knew it was going to be the perfect place to get inspired. I started to unpack the car. Well, first I did a line of coke so I wouldn't get bored unpacking. I set up a little makeshift recording studio in the Great Hall, this big room with chandeliers and paintings of children who had died. I had just finished setting up when the butler appeared. The real estate agent had never mentioned a live-in butler, but hey, free butler. He said, Ah, uh, Mr. Rose, you finally arrived. I thought about asking how he knew my name already, but then I remembered. I was famous. I decided to offer him an autograph, but when I turned to face him, he was gone. I hadn't heard any footsteps, which made sense because I stashed pills in my ears. I took a deep breath and sat down at the keyboard. It was time to write my second masterpiece. But, oh, once again, I was suffering from singer-songwriter's block, a term I had coined. It pains me to say it, but in that moment I kind of missed Edward. I wish he was around to write new lyrics for me. I even said out loud, Oh, Edward, why did you have to be so selfish and run away? Right at that moment, one of the chandeliers turned on and then crashed to the floor. It was very weird timing. I called the butler to have him come sweep it up, and when he arrived, I was struck by a very strange thought. The butler actually kind of looked like Edward. Their faces were almost identical, except that the butler's face was a little paler and there was blood coming from his eyes. I thought about bringing up this striking resemblance, but then I realized that would distract him from the sweeping. I decided to give myself a tour of the house. Maybe it was all the downers I'd taken, but the place was a bit of a disappointment. I mean, I wanted a quiet place to write, and there were distractions everywhere. The sink was filled with black ooze. The word edicomo was written backwards in red on the mirror. The stairs creaked a little bit. It was a disaster. I must have tired myself out during the tour because I went up to my room and slept like a baby. Which was ironic because there was a crib in the bedroom and it was full of maggots. I awoke the next morning feeling refreshed and renewed. This was a new day, and I was going to start writing. But first, breakfast. I called for the butler, but he was already standing directly behind me, breathing on my neck. Now that is good service. I went back to the Great Hall, 
sat at my keyboard and started writing again. See, the hard thing about being a songwriter is that you have to write music and lyrics. So it's basically two jobs. Sometimes I wish I'd chosen an easier job where you could just focus on one thing, like firefighting. I was really struggling. I couldn't come up with a single line. And also, I was hungry. Thankfully, the butler appeared holding a plate. I almost took a bite of it, but then I realized the plate had a severed finger on it. I hate it when servers get your order wrong. I threw the plate at the wall in frustration, and then the wall screamed. It was a crybaby. I told the butler to get out of my sight. I needed to focus. I ground up some Adderall and put them into my morning crystal meth. Usually this made me productive, but right away I was feeling a little jittery, so I took some mushrooms to calm down. Just then, a little pale boy came into the room on a unicycle. This infuriated me. It wasn't take your kid to work day. He was holding a knife and singing a song. It was all very distracting. I had been exhausted by this horrible day, so I decided to just take some H and go to bed. That night, I was woken up by the butler, which didn't make sense to me, because I hadn't rang the butler's bell. Was I having a dream? I pinched the butler to make sure. Then the butler started jawing at me. He said, Don't you get it, you fucking idiot? I'm Edward. This made no sense. Edward wasn't a butler. He kept rambling, though. He said, I'm Edward. I'm Edward, remember? You terrorized me in life, so I'm terrorizing you in death. You ruined everything. I was just a normal kid. I played drums for you because I just like music. Then you kidnapped me and made me come to New York with you. You took all my money. You took me from my family. You sent me off to meet some stranger from Craigslist, which I knew was a bad idea. And I get brutally stabbed to death by this barbaric... I stopped the nameless butler right there. One of his words had really struck a chord with me. Barbaric barbaric. I was turning it around in my mind. I knew it meant something to me. Then I remembered Barbados. That's where I should go. Barbados. I shouldn't be in some old, decrepit Victorian upstate. I should be on an island. The butler kept trying to get my attention by yelling at me and shaking his bloody chains, which was ironic since he was supposed to clean the place. But I had a mission. I needed to bring my music to an island, but not writing another album. That was never going to work. What I needed to do was play a big island concert, or better yet, a music festival. Now that was an idea. I even knew someone who had access to a private island. His name was Bernie Madoff, and I had been investing all of my money with him. Once I got out of there, I would give him a call. I was so happy to have a new purpose in life. Despite the butler's protestations, I packed my bags and headed for the door. I decided to burn the house down as I left, as a warning to other musicians that it was a bad place to write an album. 
It was funny. As I was leaving the house engulfed in flames, I heard these screams and they almost sounded like Edward's screams. I wonder where he was now. I got in the car and headed back to Manhattan. I decided to call Julian Fox to tell him my new big plan. He said, we need to terminate this relationship immediately. He was making the biggest mistake of his life. I mean, I was planning an island music festival. What could go wrong? Well, he hung up on me, but I was still with the record label. I hadn't unsigned my contract. I was going to have to do this on my own. But the question was, how do you set up a music festival? I returned to my favorite book, Performing for Dummies, but that was no help. Then I remembered I had to call Bernie Madoff to see if I could get access to the island. But it turns out he was in jail. Maybe for lying. That guy was a wizard of lies. This was getting frustrating. See, I wanted to throw a lavish island music festival, but I didn't want to put any time or money into planning it. Who would help me? I figured I would just start calling random phone numbers on islands and hope I got lucky. I assume that's how they started Coachella. So that's how I spent my afternoon. I would call a random phone number and say, help me put on a music festival on your island. I called so many people. It must have been 10 phone calls. Nine of them hung up. One didn't. And the one that didn't changed my life. Want to find out how? Tune into the final chapter of my spectacular life. A memoir in the key of storytelling by Thomas Rose. Oh my God, one more. I can do one more. You can do this. You can do this, Thomas. You can do this.